Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Sean J. Roger, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. And you can become a subscriber, and please do, at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Well, we have Ishmael Johnson as always, but we've also got a very special guest. We've got Sam Khan in the house. Sam, Ish, how you doing? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, please do, as you mentioned with our sponsors, please do also wear a mask. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Please do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, listen, we want football to happen in the fall. Uh, and, and the best way that that's going to happen is if we, you know, beat the Rona. So let's. More importantly, let's... I want to feel okay going to, going to football in the fall. <laughs> well, more importantly, I want to feel okay going to Kroger. So, you know, we don't even have to look that far. But uh... Shayon's just trying to get a dozen eggs, man, without catching the <laughs> Gosh, virus. That's all I want. That's all I'm looking for. But <laughs> so, yeah, everybody, please stay safe. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully everything goes all right the next couple of weeks. Uh, but yes, and also, like we mentioned, um, now is a great time to become a subscriber. I, I just want to mention this briefly. We're hard at work on the 62nd edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Uh, it's crazy that we're starting it this early. I mean, the magazine doesn't come out till June or July, but you can get it earlier than anybody if you uh, become a subscriber at texasfootball.com. You'll get it about two weeks before everybody else. So that's the best way to do it. So now is a great time to do it. Uh, anyway, we have a fun segment for you guys today. Uh, so Bill Connolly over at ESPN, one of the best, uh, one of the best that there is, he put together his list of the 60 best quarterbacks since the year 2000. Now, obviously, the year 2000 in college football, <clears throat> really, it's sort of a big time, right? It's kind of the moment when, like, the air raid style stuff started taking over. Quarterback play just changed dramatically over that time. And I don't think it's a coincidence that you look across the sport and every record basically has been broken since then. So... The list was fascinating. We can, we can mention the list for a second. Number one on the list was Baker Mayfield. Did that surprise you guys, or, or was that kind of a direction that you thought it might go? No, it, it did, um, mainly because I figured by default he'd go with a, a quarterback that won a national title, Sure, obviously. Um, I think that – I think we could all assume that it was going to be somebody who won the Heisman, obviously, and, and I guess – if you're looking at a quarterback who kind of defined the era, quote unquote, it's hard to argue against Baker Mayfield. But again, I just think that there's such a, because I mean, in my opinion, it's Cam Newton. Like sure. that's flat out my opinion. I think it's Cam Newton. I think Vince Young's about behind Cam Newton, but I think first and foremost, you have to look at a quarterback who has the, uh, has the national title under his belt and you have, and obviously Cam Newton had the Heisman under his belt, but also Cam Newton played that position in a way that I don't think anybody's played it since as far as dominating uh, in two facets of the game uh, and just being the overall best player and athlete on the field. Baker Mayfield, while being the best, probably one of the best quarterbacks of his era, obviously, there are some moments where you're saying, I don't know if he's necessarily best player on the field. He played against some really good teams. He played on some really good teams. Cam Newton, I don't, every single game he played, I don't see a player better than him at any position. So I don't know. Now, that's my opinion. And um, yeah, I don't know if you guys agree or not. I would have gone with either Cam or Vince personally. Uh, Vince, I'm a little bit, I lean toward him. I think maybe because like he's a Houston guy, he went to Madison <laughs> High. You know? We're Texas so, guys. Come on. We that's can be right. That's now. right. We're, we're, I, I'm a Houston guy through and through, and he's a Houston high school football product. So, um, and what he did in that USC game and leading Texas to a national championship and what Texas has been since he's been gone. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, they had the four year stretch with Colt McCoy that was really good and went to the national championship in 2009, but they haven't really been able to recapture what they did with Vince since then. And so I think that says a lot, but to Isha's point, Cam's dominance in that one season was unbelievable. It is unlike anything I've ever seen. And to see what he did to those SEC teams week in and week out was incredible. And single-handedly, in my opinion, carrying that team to a national championship. I also can't understand the argument for Tebow if somebody wants to make an argument for Tim Tebow, who was at number four. I would have thought those one of those three would have been number one over Baker. But I got, I got no beef with Baker. 
I think Baker was a fantastic quarterback and he was a perfect fit for that Oklahoma offense. And how can you not love his story as, you know, walking on twice, you know, at, at Texas Tech and at Oklahoma and going to where he went. But I, I would have probably gone with Cameron Vince personally. It's interesting to me because I've, it's funny that, that this happened because I've been on the Baker is the best quarterback in Big 12 history thing for a while yeah. now. And so, and so here's the thing. The first thing that I'll say about it is that Bill says it right in the first line of, of the Baker section of the article. Newton, Young, and Burrow had the best seasons. Mayfield had the best career. And I think that that's always been tough for me, right? Because Kim has the best in single season in college football history. I, I don't think it's even really that close. And I think that Vince obviously is right up there with that, right? In terms of the one-year thing, just the absolute supernova of the season, right? But, I mean... Kim basically started one year of college football, right? And Vince, obviously, I mean, you know, he had multiple years starting, but but there was really like a five-game stretch at the end of his sophomore year and then obviously that junior season. With Baker, you had the, you know, a very good first year. I mean, not great, but, but very good first year. And then you had like three Heisman caliber years, right? Like you had as much volume and as much success as any quarterback that I think, I mean, obviously that we've ever seen in college football. Ranking him one is tough. I mean, that that's a huge target to put on a guy who, like you guys mentioned, didn't win a national championship. But uh, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that it's Bill making the arguments and not me, but I think that there's a really good argument for it. Yeah, I think that there's, I think that you can kind of get into the discussion of career versus season. You can also get into the, the supporting cast um, mm-hmm. uh, argument as well, because I think, in my opinion, I think that's what takes Burrow, Tebow, and Mayfield out of the conversation, in my opinion, because I think all those guys had more better supporting cast than Cam and, uh, and Vince Young had. Um, you could probably get into the defense uh, argument because, you know, Cam and Vince had a better defense than Baker Mayfield did. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really, I'm, there's a lot of factors that went into it. And I'm glad that Bill kind of put that first where he was like, Hey, look, I looked at a career, right? I didn't say, I'm not saying that Baker is the most talented. I'm not saying Baker is the odds on best. I'm looking at, I'm saying he had, so he had more uh, longevity, right? It's just longevity. Sure. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think mine comes down to even though Baker does have the longevity argument. And if that's his, if that's where you look at, then I have no argument there. Um, but I think I look at the supporting cast argument more for Newton. I think, I, I think that's where that one season becomes more impressive to me. Yeah. Because um, you look at the skill position and then you look at the offensive line talent. And then even though his defense was good, I don't think it was as good. Like Vince Young probably had the best defense of those quarterbacks. I but. mean, it's funny. It's funny because I think that you look at Auburn, I, I think it's very obvious you can see right in context because the year before him they went eight and five they won a national title and were one of the best teams of all time and then they went eight and five again right so like (laughs) we know like I mean you know it's the whole MVP uh, argument right Right, right, like we know we know (laughs) that yeah I, I think that like I said best season in the history of college football but like, if you wanted to penalize him, that he only did one, did it once right like if you he only had one year right I think that that's a fair thing to do I think to Isha's point yeah, if you're talking career, I guess it's how you define it. If you're right. talking career, I think Baker is a, a natural choice that makes sense. But when we say best quarterback, I think to myself, who am I picking if I've got one game to win and I need to pick a quarterback? Sure. And I, I don't think you can go wrong with Cam. Sure. I, I really don't. So other other Texas-based uh, quarterbacks made the list. Like I mentioned, Vince at number three. Uh, second on the list. I, actually, I will say, I was a little surprised, right? Because you kind of have this second group of quarterbacks. Vince is at the top, obviously, of the Texas quarterbacks. Uh, and then I think the second group is RG3, Colt McCoy, Johnny Manziel. And it ended up being in that order with uh, with RG3 at 10 overall, Colt at 12, Johnny at 13. What, I think that I was a little surprised personally that Johnny didn't rank at the top of that group. I think so too. Um, mainly because, well, I can see RG3 being the top because of what he set up Baylor to do um, and kind of putting Baylor on the map as, you know, having expectations because <laughs> there were no expectations for Baylor as a program until RG3 got there. Um, and he kind of showed that what the ceiling is for that program or a potential ceiling. They didn't reach it under him, but he helped them kind of see that. Uh, Johnny, I think Johnny over, I would take, I would probably put Johnny over Colt just because of what he did for AM. 
I think Colt was a, in my opinion, a better quarterback, but I think what Johnny did for that program in terms of introducing them to the sec, putting them on the national landscape. Cause for a while, AM was the team that was always underachieving, you know, it was like, Oh, they're going to be ranked in the top 10 and then finish unranked or something like that. And everybody in the, nobody else really in the country really paid attention to what they were doing outside the state. And then Johnny came on the scene. It was like, Oh no, this is a program that absolutely can be up there with Texas. If they, if they have the right year. And I think that's probably what I would have, I, why I would have think uh, ranked them ahead of Colt, in my opinion. I would have definitely had Johnny Manziel higher. And honestly, I would not have a problem if you wanted to put him in the top six or seven, especially when I look at Joe Burrow, I I Mm -hmm. take the comparison between those two guys and Joe Burrow had maybe the best statistical season in college football history as a quarterback. But how much of that is Joe Burrow's talent and how much of that is the supporting cast and the offense that he ran Whereas Johnny, in my opinion, was a pure individual talent. And they succeeded at Texas A&M because of how talented Johnny Manziel was. That's why they went 11-2 and that first year. That's why they went to the Peach Bowl the second year. Because Johnny was an individual superstar. And I think just as a pure talent, I would put Johnny over a lot of these guys. I'd probably pick him over Marcus Mariota. Uh, I don't know that I, I think it gets sticky when we get to Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson. Those are, it's really hard. I mean, the, we're looking at this list and it also boggles my mind at how great the quarterbacks we've seen in the last 20 <laughs> right. years are. Like, it's unbelievable. Trevor Lawrence is 11th. Yeah. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. And I, but I look at like, can I, I can't, can I put Trevor Lawrence over Lamar Jackson? I don't think I can. Like Kyler Murray, look at what Kyler Murray did as a first round draft pick in two sports and winning the Heisman. It's I, it's a really fascinating to see. I mean, Jameis Winston is 16th. It's fascinating to see how talented the guys are, but Johnny's value to AM was absolutely untold. And right. they're still benefiting from what he did in those two seasons there. Yeah. And quick thing, and then we'll, we'll move on to our, our main segment, but I'm a little surprised, right? Because like you mentioned, Burrow's at number five. He had the greatest, uh, statistically the greatest individual season of all time. It's interesting to me though, that, you know, you put Baker at one based on sort of his career, but then have Deshaun behind Joe Burrow, you know, and even, even to have, I, I think again, Kyler was, was sort of one of those seasons too, of one of those all-time great seasons, but he started mm-hmm. one real year at Oklahoma, you know, and then, and then you have him ahead of a Lamar, a Mariota, a Johnny Manziel, who, you yeah. know, he only had two years, but they were two Heisman caliber years. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think the biggest thing to take away from all this, right, is that it's really, really freaking hard to sort through this list of, you know, the best quarterbacks that we've ever seen. I mean, you know, you, you talk about that top 15 list or so, you could argue, I think, that, like, it ends up being, like, 15 of the top 25 guys to ever play. You know, like, it, that's kind of the game has changed to that level. So uh, just to real quick run through the other Texan guys on the list, because this will become relevant in just a second. Uh, Case Keenum at 22, Graham Harrell at 32. Patrick Mahomes at 54, which, by the way, in my opinion, doesn't nobody gives him that much respect if he doesn't do what he's doing in the NFL. I'm glad people are taking notice, though. Uh, Andy Dalton at 59 and Kevin Cobb at 60. So here's what we're going to do now. Okay. Wait, wait, before you go, before you go, I have to say, I have to speak up for my University (laughs) of Houston Cougars. Case Keenum was criminally underrated on this list. I agree. He was unbelievable at Houston. Anybody who saw, especially that 2011 offense with him, and Tyron Carrier and Patrick Edwards, where they were scoring in 30 seconds every other drive, and Cliff Kingsbury was calling the shots as the offensive coordinator under Kevin Sumlin. That was a fantastic offense, and Case Keenum was one of the greatest college football quarterbacks ever. I, I yeah, mean, Texas State was per- Texas State was personally victimized by uh, Case Keenum. So that, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, like all all love and respect, but how the heck is he behind Philip Rivers? You know, Philip Rivers, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal quarterback, right? Like yeah. really, really good college quarterback. But come on. I mean, this is, isn't Case still the all-time leader in, in career passing yards? Like we, He is. This is Because no, they're not going to pass that much at Houston ever again. Like he's going to have that <laughs> record. Like nobody's ever going to pass it. I mean, you if you, this is averaging basically 5,000 yards a year, right? Like right. to get to 5,000 ever. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny story to, as, and we can move on after this. 
so his last game, his last start was against Penn State in the Ticket City Bowl. It was after they went 13-1, and but they lost the Conference USA Championship to Southern Miss. Kevin Sumlin took the job, went to Texas A&M. Uh, the staff stayed behind. Eventually, many of them joined someone at Texas A&M, but Cliff Kingsbury was the offensive coordinator, and he stayed behind for the bowl game, and he called the plays, and he told Case Keenum that he wanted him to throw the ball 80 times, and if you don't throw the ball 80 times, I'm going to kick your ass. And Case, <laughs> Case I think, recorded about 73 pass <laughs> attempts in that game. So they came pretty close. He got sacked once or twice, so I, they had to have called at least 75 pass plays, but – uh, they, they tried to stretch the field horizontally and vertically, horizontally and vertically to beat Penn state. And it worked out very well, but it was, I'll always remember that game and remember Case Keenum's last game because Cliff King's very threatened to beat Case Keenum up if he didn't throw the ball. <laughs> That's awesome. That's amazing. Well, let's go ahead and get into to our main statement. Okay. So okay, we got this list of 60. Okay. These are, uh, well-deserving quarterbacks, but we feel like there were a lot of awesome, awesome quarterbacks from the state of Texas left off the list. So we brought on Sam Khan because uh, because he, of course, knows as much about Texas college quarterbacks as anybody. And we are going to go through and we are going to draft the best quarterbacks in our estimation who played at Texas colleges who did not make the list. So here's what I'm going to do. OK, I've got a randomizer up right now. So, you know, we're not going to we're not going to have any of this about me picking an order. That's unfair because I would like the first pick just for the record. I got a guy in mind. So here we go. OK, OK. So with the with the third pick we got Ishmael. Okay. With the second pick we got me. Number one pick we got Sam Khan. So, here are the ground rules. Okay, they must have played starting in 2000 and after. Okay, nobody who started their career before the year 2000. This is all 2000s quarterbacks. Um, and they again they must have played at a Texas college. So we're only taking into account what they what they did at a Texas college. There's not somebody I can't think of anybody in mind who like only had maybe one great year at a Texas college or you know as a grad transfer or something. But but only what they do at Texas colleges are taken into account. So and I checked uh, that does take away Chris Sims. So yes, and he, does uh, get, he clips off at 99. So yes, and uh, and Major Applewhite I think too. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Major so too. you know, Cole World. Guess what? That's the deal. So, uh, so Sam, why don't you go ahead and lead us off? With the first pick, I am taking Cliff Kingsbury, Texas Tech. Ooh. Okay, okay, I'm gonna mark that one off. That was a good one. <laughs> that's a that's a good pick. I mean, that's kind of the guy who really, really kind of started this revolution, right? I, I mean, because. Yep. Uh, was he, I, I believe, right, he was Leach's first quarterback. Yes, when Leach took the job, Cliff was the guy. And that's kind of the reason why I went with him is because he kind of launched this era of air raid and let's throw the ball for 5,000 yards a season. Mm-hmm. And he set all kinds of NCAA records during his Texas Tech career. Uh, and, hey, I mean – look at what he's done as a coach after that. But as a quarterback alone, he was a fantastic guy. And I think sometimes we forget that because it was 20 years ago. No, I think that's a very solid pick. That definitely a guy who I was considering in my top group. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, still one of the all time leaders in Texas tech history and passing yards, one of the national all time leaders. I mean, he started a revolution and now, uh, now it's funny. He's, he's getting his due now that he's the coach of all things, the Arizona Cardinals. So but that was not who I was going to take. This this might be a uh, this might be an interesting one. Okay, I, I think that this second group. This was actually a guy who I was a little surprised didn't make the list because, in my opinion, he's better than the guy from his school who did make the list, and that's Trevon Boykin. Mm. I think that Trevon Boykin. You look at that 2014 season, one of the best seasons I think by any Texas college player. Right? It was incredible to, it was it was a travesty that he was not a Heisman finalist that year sure. he was incredible also very good in 2015 and actually even when you look back at 2012 and 2013 um, you know he played kind of some at receiver some at quarterback but really good player uh, I think that Gary Patterson had the famous quote that the reason that their passing game struggled is because Trevon Boykin can't throw to himself and <laughs> and you know for me I, I think that in 2014 you got to see him team up with Josh Doxson. You got to see him in 2015 help turn Josh Doxson into, you know, one of the two best receivers in the country. Mm-hmm. I, I think that he did incredible stuff at TCU. In my opinion, look, all love and respect to Andy Dalton, but Trevon Boykin was so much better at TCU than, than uh, Andy Dalton was. And I think that you've seen since he left, right, when he was there, this is a team that was literally competing for a national championship. And since he's left, I, I mean, I'm not saying that they've fallen apart by any means, but 
It, it just hasn't been the same. Yeah. No, that's a good pick. I like that one. That was one of my contentions for my first round pick, but I'm going to go with the other guy and uh, kind of in a relative term to Trevon Boykin. Give me Bryce Petty. Boom. <laughs> yeah. I think Bryce Petty right up there with Trevon Boykin. This is the peak when nobody believed anybody in the big 12 played defense. Um, this is when the stereotype that, ah, they're just throwing up points in the big 12 and, you know, no one can defend anything. And it's like, not really. It was just, they just had these guys running these insane offenses that no one knew how to defend at the time. Uh, as we're seeing kind of, uh, in the sec, how, uh, when these little concepts leak in, it doesn't matter how good of talent you have on defense when everybody's just faster than you on offense. Um, I think Bryce Petty was the peak of that at Baylor. Uh, I've mentioned RG3 setting up Baylor's ceiling. I think they hit their ceiling with uh, guys uh, with guys like Bryce Petty um, and going back and forth to TCU. So yeah, give me Bryce Petty first pick. <laughs> Petty is such an interesting one to me. Uh, obviously he was there when I covered Baylor, right? It's because I was mm -hmm. a student at the time too. Petty's such an interesting one because one, he was, he was a, kind of a nobody recruit, right? Like nobody mm -hmm. really expected him to be much anything. And man, it, he's, he was just like, you talk about game managers, right? Like he was just the ultimate, ultimate game manager for Baylor. And, and that's mm -hmm. funny because, you know, he threw for 4,000 yards twice, right? Like right. He, he had crazy stats. Through hey, manage these just track stars. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, but basically the deal ended up being right. That it would, they just asked him basically to, uh, to get the ball to all those great receivers. And he did a really good job. He threw a great deep ball. And, uh, and look, I mean, there's one quarterback in Baylor history who won back-to-back -back Big 12 titles, and it's Bryce Petty. That's wild. I, you know, until you said that, I've totally forgotten about that. <laughs> but he was very good. I do remember how good he was. And like it said, hey, throw to these fast guys. That is a pretty <laughs> good strategy. All right, Ish, uh, let's do snake drafts. So you're coming back around. Oh, okay, back around. Okay, caught off guard a little bit. Um. I feel like it gets hmm. hard here. I, I really don't kind of yeah, have an obvious next guy. Yeah, this one's... Jeez. Okay. I'm going to go... Oh, man, this is between two, and I'm kind of struggling right now of which one I'm going to pick, but I think I got it. Okay. Give me... Give me Shane Bichelle. Okay. I'm wow. Yeah, I'm gonna go Shane Bichelle. I was I was, pay, say I right was pegging Shayhan to try to snag him, and Ish got him <laughs> got him before Shayhan could snag him. Because I guarantee you, Shayhan would have taken Shane. <laughs> I uh, yeah, Shane Bichelle, and it might be a shock that he comes before somebody else, but I think what he did at SMU for SMU, I mean, speaks for itself. He was on the cover of our magazine. It showed what a college smack dab in the middle of Dallas, downtown Dallas, uh, can do when they have exposure. Um, it was a perfect marriage between him and Sonny Dykes. I mean, that was Sonny Dykes had to have just like, you know, thank God that somebody post Jared Goff just fell into his lap like like Shane Michelle, somebody who was accurate, had a deep ball when he needed to, was mobile enough to, you know, move around in the pocket when things collapsed, but not a scrambler per se. Um, but yeah, no, Shane Michelle putting up numbers uh, in, I think that nobody was really that shocked when he put up those numbers because we knew he had talent, right? Heading into his sophomore year, people were pegging him as a dark horse Heisman guy for Texas because they were like, man, this is, he was pretty good as a freshman. And so I don't think anybody was really shocked, but I think we were all just really happy to see him really flourish in an offense that 100% utilized all of his tools. Yeah, I think that it's interesting, right? Um, I was kind of between two guys as well and I'll, I'll pick the next guy next and I think that for both of us and, and really for all of us I think we do really value those guys who it feels like change things for, for a program yeah. you know somebody who came in and just kind of their presence ended up changing the trajectory and, and obviously you look at Shane Bichelle coming down here and doing that um, you know we, we talked about Johnny doing that we talked about Robert Griffin doing that uh, you know I, Cliff I think in a lot of ways did that obviously for for what Texas Tech ended up becoming and yeah, I think that there's a, I think that there's a ton of value in that. Like you mentioned, I mean, he was on the cover of our magazine. I think that his, his impact will be felt at SMU long after he's gone. So I'll take the other guy then who was, uh, who was uh, in consideration. Another guy who uh, I, I think that there's also value to me in feeling like I'm picking the best quarterback in the history of a program. 
You know what I mean? Like somebody who who I feel like changed the game. Somebody who I think I know who you're going. With. Yep, I, I think you know. I'm going with Mason Fine. Yep. Mason Fine uh, came to North Texas with uh, Seth Luttrell in 2016. No, 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 2017. I, I can't even keep the years straight at this point. But the point is, uh, in their first season, it was 2016. It was 16, yeah. Yes, uh, in his first season, um, you know, it was it was a bowl game that they got into because of academic stuff, but he, made, he brought them to a bowl game in their in their first season. Obviously went on to have back-to-back nine-win seasons, become the all-time leading passer in North Texas history. And, and like we've mentioned, and, and like I mentioned just a second ago, this is a guy who obviously leaves as the best quarterback in the history of this program. I think you can make a pretty good case that he's the number two all-time player in the history of the program uh, behind, you know, a little, a little tough to pass me Joe green, but, uh, but other than that, I think that he's got it. And, uh, and I think that the other thing too, that you saw was because of Mason fine and what he was able to do, you saw a level of investment in North Texas that I don't think you would have seen if Mason fine didn't come through the door. And I think you also see, you know, now that he's gone, it's, it's been a real issue. You know, there, there was kind of this thought that maybe, well, Seth Luttrell just runs an easy offense that, that anybody will be able to pick up. I think we're seeing now that's not really the case. So I think that Mason Fine, uh, I, I really, my heart still hurts for him that his senior year went the way that it did. But, uh, but I think that he leaves as one of the, the best quarterbacks in the history of Texas. All right. So I got two picks coming up here. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is going to be difficult because I've got like three guys in mind. <laughs> I'm going to go Greg Ward Jr. Ah, I was hoping you would come oh, back around to me. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gre- Greg, I think, is a little underrated because, you know, they – I mean, he's a receiver now, obviously, with the, with Philadelphia Eagles. But he was a really good quarterback, and it took him a while to get a chance because his first year there, he was returning kicks and punts and playing receiver – and eventually got moved to quarterback, but obviously a you know record-setting quarterback in the high school ranks, uh, and then did a great job, helped them to the Peach Bowl. You know they went mm-hmm. thirteen and one, I think it was in two thousand fifteen, and had a fantastic career at Houston, broke records and uh, you know won plenty of awards, and was a catalyst for the you know two years that Tom Herman was there. They went twenty-two and four at Houston with Greg Ward running the show. So I think I go with Greg as my pick. And with the next pick, this is really hard. <laughs> I'm going to go Kellen Mond, Texas Ooh, okay. A&M. Okay. I was, I was debating between Ellinger and Mond, but. Yeah. I, I was wondering I, if you were going to go with that. Because yeah. I think Ellinger probably had the better career. But right. what I saw Kellen Mond do last year at Texas A&M, growing from what we saw his very first game as a freshman when they played UCLA and we remember the 44 10 lead and what happened at the end of that game um, the growth that he had after a coaching change to grow into the kind of passer that fit what Jimbo Fisher wanted to do and to take Texas A&M to the cusp of the playoff this year at the number five ranking and do it as a passer do it as a runner do it as a team leader I think Kellen Mond's career, I don't know how it's going to be looked at in long term, but I hope Texas A&M fans look at it as, as truly special as one of the Texas A&M greats because he definitely accomplished a lot and took them to a, a new level uh, in Aggieland. No question. I, I mean, I think that it's funny to look back right at that first season when he's, you know, whatever, completing 15% of his passes in that one game. Right. And, <laughs> and just to see how far he's come. And the thing that I've always said, I mean, I feel like I've said this to, to Sam Anish a million times, right. If you put Kellen Mond from the start in Lincoln Riley's offense, right. If you put Kellen Mond from the start in an Ohio state offense, I, I think that he's a superstar right from the get go, but I think that he just deserves so much credit for sticking through with a system that I don't think really fit him in a lot of ways, finding ways to be uh, successful, evolving, getting better every single year. And, and obviously, like Sam mentioned, I mean, this senior year, I, I, I hope that people remember Kellen Mond when you kind of look at this, what I think is this next ascent of Texas A&M, right? This kind of next level that I feel like they're getting to, uh, because I do think that he helps at this stage. I think that, you know, early in his career, there was so much talk about, well, you know, it's, it's easy. We just got to, we just got to, you know, get a better quarterback and that's going to be the difference. And, and we're kind of seeing, you know, 
it was really more that they needed to build up everything around him, right? That, yeah, he's not going to be the guy who's going to go out and, and win you a national championship necessarily, but he is a very, very, very good quarterback and, and somebody who, who, like you mentioned, I mean, I think just did a tremendous job. And I think did a tremendous job, despite the fact that in a lot of ways, I think uh, this passing game this year didn't do him many favors. I think, and, I think he's got the potential to be a better pro quarterback than he was in college. I really do. Mm-hmm. And, and also, let's not act like Jimbo Fisher couldn't have just got, got another guy if he didn't think that Kellen Mond was right for him. Like, Jimbo Fisher is a guy who is attractive to quarterbacks who could have been in the transfer market, who could have been in the portal, and he could have brought in, he's like, nope, this guy's not working for me. He obviously saw something. He's like, this guy can run my offense. Like, it might not be the perfect marriage, but he believed in what he was doing for him. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I like that pick a lot. All right. Well, that brings me up next. Uh, look, if you're going to take Kellen Mond, I'll just take the easy pick. Uh, I'll go with Sam Ellinger. Ellinger is such an interesting one. Uh, I mean, I think I think that we could talk for hours and hours about just everything around the mythology of Sam Ellinger. Obviously, I, I think that the biggest thing that needs to be said is that Sam Ellinger was a really, really good quarterback who helped Texas do some really, really good things in a way that they hadn't done in many years, right? I, I think that it's going to be interesting to look back, especially now that you've got a coach in, in Steve Sarkeesian, who I think is going to, in a lot of ways, revolutionize the offense that never felt like it got revolutionized the way it was supposed to under Tom Herman. But I think that it's no coincidence that he came in and won the starting job as a freshman. It's no coincidence that, you know, especially that sophomore year, which I think we'll look back at its best, uh, you know, that he was one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. And, and look, the Heisman talk was always a lot. <laughs> I think we can all acknowledge that. I think the national perception was sometimes a little much, but I think that everybody who watches football in the state knows that over the past couple of years, there's been very few quarterbacks in this state that have been as consistently good as Sam Ellinger. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, <laughs> I think for me, it was tough to try to figure out where to take him in this draft, uh, whether mm-hmm. I, you know, should consider him in sort of the top group. I, I think that I'm getting him at a perfect place, you know, convincingly convincingly you know one of the the top 10 to 15 guys but uh you know i think still a value pick at this point i think his role is so important because like you said what texas was and how in tumult that quarterback room was for so long from the time the colt mccoy injured that shoulder in the 2009 2010 national championship game they had not had an answer quarterback and sam gave them a consistent reliable winner and that was so huge for that program and it it did may not have saved tom herman's job but it is probably going to do a lot for the future of that position at texas i think that i think that's kind of a one of the bigger indictments of the tom herman era was that you looked at the end of mac brown you look at charlie strong's tenure there you know we can talk about defense and you know recruiting and things like that but it was boiled down to quarterback they couldn't find a quarterback and the fact that tom herman did find a quarterback their best quarterback in 10 years and couldn't really reach those same heights that people thought, you know, it was an indictment of the roster building as a whole around that, because again, you know, you're, you were blaming Charlie strong wasn't winning with, you know, uh, uh, Tyrone uh, swoops. swoops. Yeah. Tyrone yeah. swoops. Right. Uh, Case McCoy wasn't, you know, like these guys weren't getting it done and everybody for a while, I don't want to say that that was the only problem, but people were like, ah, oh, they just had, something right the people were trying to convince him that david ash would be the guy right if he just stayed healthy um, that's how yeah right now right good times um and david ash was looked good but i don't think that there was ever a point where he was going to be that guy to take them to that level but that's how desperate they were for just some type of te- talent behind center yeah and and i think that ultimately sam ellinger took the program from a place where it was desperately searching for a quarterback to a point where they're desperately searching for everything else now, right? Yeah. Like where, where they feel like they kind of figured something out of that position. And the other thing too, is that I don't think that, uh, I think that we're going to look back in a couple of years. And I think that when you look at whether it's Casey Thompson or Hudson Card coming in this year, when you see uh, Malik Murphy coming in after that, I, I don't think that these things also happen without Sam Ellinger there and playing at the level that he did. Because like you mentioned, this was a wasteland, right? This was a wasteland where they got these guys who were highly ranked kids and and did nothing. So, I mean, there's no guarantee, obviously, that uh, that being a high-level recruit like Sam Ellinger was means anything. So I I do think... you know, we're gonna. I think we're gonna have discussions about his legacy for for many many years now. But I, I think that for what he was, even if you just limit it to that, I think it was a very good quarterback. All right. So now comes my snake pick. 
<sighs> I kind of like not having the snake. Uh, it, it's very <sighs> stressful to have to go it back is to that. Very bed. stressful. Okay, so let me clarify this first. Uh, are we allowed to pick one s- small school guy? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. So I'll go with my non-small school guy first. This one's tough. It is literally between two players, and I'm staring at their stats right now, and I think I got to go with one. Give me Seth Dagey. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think Seth Dagey, when you get out of the air raid era and before you get to the Cliff Kingsbury era, there was this nice little sweet spot where a certain sitting senator ran Texas Tech and and to uh, to very mixed. Amy Klobuchar ran Texas Tech. (laughs) Ed Markey's Texas Tech. Uh, was uh let's just say had mixed results uh they won decently right not everybody was exactly happy with how the program ran but he did some things right they won seven eight games here and there um and seth daigie was the quarterback of that and he put up pretty good numbers like it wasn't pat mahomes lighting it up it wasn't cliff kingsbury um, it wasn't really, it wasn't the air raid exactly, but it was still over 4,000 yards twice, uh, 68 and 70% completion in both the starting seasons. I think Seth Diggy's kind of an underrated guy when he looks, when it comes to Texas tech lore, because he doesn't hold all the records, right. But he's still like, compare him to anybody else in any other program, you'll plug him in and he'd likely be an all-time record holder anywhere else. So, uh, yeah, Seth Diggy's my, um, my number one. Uh, any comments on that before I move on to my small school guy? Nope. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, just real quick, I mean, I think that it's funny. I, I, like you mentioned, I think he's getting left behind a little bit because the program kind of struggled, obviously. And, and because also people have these expectations of, you know, the true air raid that Mike Leach is right. running and those kind of numbers. But, but I think Dave was a really good player. And, and I think that it's funny. You look back, I, I think a lot of tech fans at the time complained about the offense, but you look at Seth Dagey mixed with the, uh, with Neil Brown, I, I think they did a really mm-hmm. good job. And I think that Seth Dagey is a big part of the reason that, uh, that Neil Brown is a head coach in college football today. Yeah, definitely. All right. My small school guy. Now, when you threw that, when you threw that, when you said that we could go kind of into the weeds for one pick and, you know, kind of go, there were a lot of names that come out, jumped out of me. Uh, part of me wanted to go Homer a little bit and pick uh, Barrick Neely when they were FCS. But I, the more I looked, the more those, it was one guy. It's Jeremiah Briscoe, Sam Houston State. Um, two-time Walter Payton winner, the only guy to win it back-to-back. Uh, 4,600 yards as a junior, 5,000 yards as a senior, uh, 57 touchdowns to 10 to 10 interceptions as a junior more or less put aside from Rhett Bomar, like really put Sam Houston state on the map, really got them into the national title uh, hunt in the FCS level. Um, they're they've really been searching for that guy since he left. Uh, they haven't really hit the same heights since he left uh, that, uh, that program. Uh, they look like they have somebody now in Eric Schmidt, but yeah, no, Jeremiah Briscoe to me is that guy from FCS. Um, yeah. I think he's, probably Casey Keeler's best quarterback since Joe Flacco at Delaware. Uh, yeah. So there's my two picks, Seth Diggy and uh, Jeremiah Briscoe. I like that one a lot because Briscoe meant so much to Sam Houston. And uh, I love giving the FCS some love. I was really shocked. You did not go with Barrick Neely. <laughs> I thought, I thought I no it. joke, no joke. When I looked up, when I was looking up uh, just to see his stats and just to look back, I found the the thank you letter he had me edit for the daily record when he graduated back in uh, 2017. So I was like, I looked it up. I was like, oh man, there's even some sentimental connection there. Like, <laughs> sorry, Barrick. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. We'll have time for some honorable mentions. Uh, right. I think I think that that's a fantastic pick. To me, there are two guys who are small college guys. I'm going to pick the next one next. Uh, there are two guys in the small college ranks that if you're gonna if you're gonna pick these guys, they got to be on the list, right? And you mentioned Jeremiah Briscoe; he really elevated that program. And same sort of deal, right? Uh, that that we mentioned with some of these other guys. He leaves; they haven't done that again, right? Like we we really think that that maybe this is the year that that Eric Schmidt, if they can. Uh, I, I was reading the Sam Houston preview from the 2019 magazine, and I think it was Will who wrote it, who said. Just wrap him in bubble wrap, man. Just just keep him safe. Just just <laughs> yeah. keep him safe. Uh, you know, and so I think that they're hoping that Eric Schmidt can maybe be that next guy. But, I mean, you know, we're talking, what, back-to-back basically 500 seasons for Sam Houston. 
I mean, this was a program that obviously was playing in, in, you know, title games. This, mm -hmm. That's how good this program uh, was under Jeremiah Briscoe. And, uh, and I think, yeah, you talk about winning the Walter Payton award back to back years. I mean, that's, that's unheard of. That's crazy stuff. So uh, very, very deserving pick. And, uh, and I'll take, I'll take, look, there is one guy in this state who won the national player of the year award oh, yeah. okay. and then won a national championship that same year. I'm taking Luis Perez from Texas A&M Commerce. Very nice. Fantastic story. Of course, you know, walks on at, at some Juco out in California is a bowler by trade. Is After what not having played football in high school. That's just crazy stuff, right? Like that's just, that's, crazy stuff and uh and finds his way to Texas A&M Commerce finds his way to being the starting quarterback just the the ultimate Colby uh, Colby Carthel move right just taking some random dude and winning a national championship with him uh, I mean Luis Perez if you're talking about the last couple of years has been as good as any quarterback uh, at any level in the country right again winning the uh the Harlan Hill award which is the D2 version of the Heisman Trophy, Walter Payton being the FCS version. Uh, and, and I mean, yeah, you're talking about a guy who won the award for being the best player in the, in the sport and then led his team to the top for the first time, uh, first time ever, right? Or, or was it second time ever? I think it might be. Uh, I cannot remember. But, but regardless, first time in a very long time. And, uh, and yeah, so. Second, second, 1972 was there. Okay, yeah. So first time since 1972. And so I, I think that you got to give Luis Perez a lot of credit. Same sort of deal. I mean, I think that they've got a great situation right now with Miklo Smalls. Uh, and, you know, they're going to obviously have a chance to compete for the national championship, I think, this year. But, but until somebody else does what Luis Perez does, you know, you got to talk about him as in the last, you know, however many years as being the best quarterback uh, at the division two level in Texas. I like it. I got no issues with that. Uh, Luis Perez, I think, uh, God, that was one of the big feature stories that Max and Greg did that really took off. Um, ESPN ended up using like some of their B-roll footage and just because uh, that was the first time anybody had heard of this guy who was bowling before he was playing football. Um, <laughs> and I just love that idea because like, that's such a that's such a thing that people like kind of fantasize about where it's like right. I didn't play football in high school I'm just gonna try to walk on at Juco and make the team and like here he, they remember he remembers like being like ninth on the depth chart or something like that <laughs> just like slowly just like yeah, I kind of like football so I'm just gonna work <laughs> my way up and you know just, that it's so cool I love that he got a little a uh, little pro run as well um i believe what was the one before the xfl the aaf i think the aaf yeah yeah he got some little run the aaf he got a little run the xfl so it's, it's a little a uh, little nice little pro stint there yeah he's, he's still around man he's still uh, he's still having a chance to make it at the next level i mean it's it, like you mentioned there's all these stories about how all these kids are oh well you know i was a uh, you know six string on the depth chart and it's like yeah because you were a freshman you know like right, <laughs> I don't right, know. Right, yeah because <laughs> yeah, because you just finished the eighth grade it's that's not the same right they gave you a shot on varsity as a freshman this is a kid who literally was like let's see if i can do this yeah. who knows what's good what's gonna happen so super cool story uh, obviously we'll always be rooting for luis and and yeah i mean i think that if you're gonna talk about the small college guys uh, in, in this state, there are two guys who you need to know. It's Jeremiah Briscoe and it's Luis Perez. All right, so his last pick, is it, this is it? This is it, this is it. This is it, man. Okay, so we had the, we only pick a one small school guy. Does that, is that small school like, does Houston count as that? So if I pick Greg Ward, is that my one? No, 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 sub FBS, sub FBS. Come on, man, we, we, okay. we do all, uh, we do all just every sure, day. I'm just making sure, I'm just making sure, okay. Plus, they would they would literally march our offices if we called them small school. Don't you? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. I've got to make sure. I got to make sure. So uh, I didn't want to do that, but that's that's why I wanted to make sure. So this is hard. The last one because I have two guys I'm thinking of, but this is the one I'm going to go with: Chase Clement at Rice. Oh, okay. Solid. I like that. That's solid. Chase Clement threw for four thousand yards in the senior season. Took rice to a 10 and three season. And I believe they won the Texas bowl against Western Michigan that year, that team that he had with himself, James Casey, Jared Dillard, that was an explosive rice offense. And he had, I think his junior year, he had over 3000 yards passing. So he had a very strong finish, 44 touchdowns, seven interceptions as last year, uh, 99 touchdowns for his career at rice, uh, took them to, I think two bowl games in three years. It was a fantastic ending to his career. 
at, at Rice. And I think uh, help that program reach a, a level that it doesn't often reach. And so that was, that's my last pick. The other guy I was thinking of, and this will be my honorable mention is the all time or not all time, but single season passing yards leader in NCAA history, BJ Simmons at Texas tech. Yeah. We threw for 5,833 yards in 2003. He was a successor to cliff Kingsbury. And uh, you know, he only had one season that he got to be the guy, but, uh, but set a record and uh, a record yeah. that still has not been beaten to this point. He's kind of the forgotten air raid guy because it was right before uh, Sonny Cumbie as well. So it was like mm-hmm. people, there's a um, kind of translate to my, uh, one of my honorable mentions, Taylor Potts. It's kind of like those forgotten guys in between those legendary guys where it's like BJ Simons really, I think, what's he doing now? There was a story on like what he's doing now. He's like just kind of living in Lubbock and just kind of enjoying life. I can't remember. Um, Sweet. He's, yeah, um, he's got to be, he has to feel so weird just like watching these guys coach and be around him and just like being in his own little bubble. Um, but yeah, there's like, it's interesting to look at the Texas Tech quarterbacks because you'll run across two or three guys. You're like, oh yeah, that guy. Like I'm looking at Taylor Potts' career right now. And like uh, 2009, 3,400 yards, uh, 2010, 3,700 yards, and Tech goes eight and five and nine and four. It's like, it's like, oh yeah, the Taylor Potts quarterback, a pretty damn good tech team too. Um, yeah. I don't know. Tech's one of those where they just pumped out so many quarterbacks that you're just going to be like, oh, right. They also had this guy. Uh, another guy I want to mention is uh, Ryan Tannehill, uh, who Ooh. I think that a lot, he gets, I think he gets a lot of flack because that his breakout year was kind of A&M or it was Mike Sherman's kind of like downtrodden year where they were projected really high and they didn't really hit those heights. Obviously Texas ended up beating him in the last rivalry game. Um, but none of that was his fault. Like he, I looked at his numbers, uh, 3,700 yards, 29 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, 61% completion percentage decently. I mean, the offensive line was pretty, um, obviously pretty good as well, but yeah, I don't think that that season was his fault, but he obviously was good enough to be a first round pick for the dolphins later. Um, and And, and what is he doing now ish? Ah, he's leading your uh, explosive offense for the Tennessee Titans in a brand new uh, franchise deal of over a hundred million dollars. Oh, he's great. I love Ryan Tannehill. Um, <laughs> I like but, I like the Tan- I like the Tannehill mention. I was thinking yeah. about him too, but it was just you know really one season. I think so. Yeah, that, he- that was yeah, that was well, that was it. And then the other thing too, like it was it was tough for me to try to figure out what to do with really all of the A and M quarterbacks, right? Because you have mm-hmm. Tannehill. You had Gerard Johnson, who, I mean, his career just didn't kind of end the way that you hoped that it would. And you had yeah. Stephen McGee, right? Another really yeah. good quarterback mm, for Texas a one, yeah. they were They were kind of right there for me, but I, I just couldn't put him over the guys that I picked. Gerard, true, Gerard's true. was interesting because his career kind of changed because of injury. Right, I mean, he right. He along pretty well, and then he had the shoulder issues, and that really kind of changed the entire trajectory of his career. But that 2009 season, he had 3,500 passing yards, 30 touchdowns, eight interceptions. I mean, that's a really good – really good season and Mm -hmm. i i i wonder if he hadn't had the shoulder issues if he would have been able to finish it out and it would have gone a lot better yeah i mean you forgot about Stephen mcgee (laughs) i I completely forgot about Stephen. (laughs) (laughs) i i double checked before we did this just to make sure that he was fully in the 2000s because i just oh yeah i I remember because he he was uh, a that national title year I think they gave Texas kind of a scare a little right, bit. It was like a first right. half scare, but like, but uh, I remember him being very frustrating to, <laughs> to game plan against because he, that offensive Fran ran, like it didn't always look pretty, but it, that had to be the most frustrating offense to game plan against. Cause you're just like this quarterback's running for like four yards and they're, they're kind of dumping it off to this wide receiver for four yards. And they're always getting four yards. <laughs> it's like, there's just, it can't be pleasing to watch, but it has to be such a, such a pain to game plan for. <laughs> So, so I have to, I'll, I'll mention a few. So I, I think that for me, look, again, he kind of also had like the one, one and a half kind of year. Nick Florence was so good. That, that mm. 2012 year was incredible. I mean, he was yeah. just carrying the entire team on his back while Baylor was putting up the worst defense in the history of college football. I mean, it was, that was my freshman year. So obviously I have some like attachment to that, but it, mm. he was incredible. Of course, uh, another guy that I'll mention, I think that. I'm sure that people would argue that he's not the best quarterback at the school, but Dalton Sturm, what he did at UTSA. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you look at what, again, same deal, what's happened since he left. I mean, he was just one of those players who was never spectacular, never put up big numbers. He just kind of kept things moving all the time. And obviously they managed to have some really good teams. I think that you could have a whole like list of guys who were just like, 
hey man, they played for sub 500 teams in the state of Texas and they were just, they were just fun. Yeah. If he didn't, if he didn't transfer and had a chance to finish out his career at Houston, I would have maybe considered Derek King who yeah. was responsible for mm-hmm. 50 touchdowns as a junior. Of course. I, I can't believe that we never really got like a, a real Derek King year, you know, just because yeah. of everything, you know? So yeah, he got, he got those 10 games in 2018 and then hurt his knee and, and it, Obviously, we know the rest of the story after that. Yeah, I hope well, I hope he is get healthy and he comes back and has a great year at Miami. Yeah, I mean, hey, I, I guess uh, I guess I say we didn't get uh, we didn't get a full year of him. We we actually over the course of multiple years we'll get more than our share of deer. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. right. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we have a chance to do that. And and I will mention, uh, Sam has a great story from a while back at ESPN uh, on Derek King. So you should definitely check that one out. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It was good to talk to him and learn more about his up and down 2020 and it was 2019 and 2020 it was quite a journey he went through from going from red shirting at houston transferring out you know his father passing and then his mother getting cancer diagnosis which she became cancer free last summer so that was fantastic super awesome for them and uh dear i was obviously i'm sure just like you guys was crushed to see him suffer the knee injury in the bowl game but hopefully he can get back healthy and, and have a strong last year yeah, Derek King, or as I call him, the deserving starting quarterback at Manville, Derek King. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Awesome. Well, this was a lot of fun. Any last thoughts, anybody? I mean, so, so let's just let me just run through our list real quick, okay? Sam Pick, Cliff Kingsbury, Greg Ward Jr., Kellen Mond, and Chase Clements. I picked Trevon Boykin, Mason Fine, Sam Ellinger, and Luis Perez. Ish picked Bryce Petty, Shane Bouchelle, Seth Dagey and Jeremiah Briscoe. So, what do you guys think? Who, who do you think has the best group right now? We'll put it out to a vote on Twitter. Yeah, of course, it's mine. I come mean, on come now, on, man. It's mine. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? What are you, you're going to argue for? I'm not going to argue for Shahans or Sam's. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> All right, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. I have, uh-huh. I have three quarterbacks on my list who are the best quarterbacks in the history of their school. Well. <laughs> I actually can't say that because Davey O'Brien went to CC. Whatever. In the modern history, <laughs> post-integration, I think that's a fair line. Uh, I've got the best quarterback in TCU history, the best quarterback in AM Commerce slash East Texas State University or East Texas AM, excuse me. And uh, where was it East Texas? Man, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get killed after this podcast for saying this wrong. Uh, and then <laughs> and then the best quarterback in North Texas history. Uh, Sam Elliott, you know, really, really good player. Uh, some called him a Heisman finalist. You know, you can make that declaration for yourself, but I I think that I, uh, I think I have a good foursome. I got, I I got Cliff first. So I I won because I got the best guy. (laughs) I got your school's uh, statistical best quarterback. So I I get, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) I will say this, the fact that we could fill a list of 16 or uh, 12 guys after the list of that was already, we're not able to take based on Bill's list. I mean, because the guys we couldn't pick, are all the best guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Cobb, Andy Dalton, Patrick Mahomes, Graham Harrell, Case Keenum, Johnny Manziel, Colt McCoy, RG3, and Vince Young. Like the fact that we could compile that many good guys after that just speaks to how good Texas quarterback play has been in college football here in the last yeah. yes. how, how many of these guys would have been just the best quarterback at so many other programs? Like flat out. <laughs> right. Just flat out the best quarterback at all of all time. <laughs> yes. Oh, and I, I do need to mention, uh, uh, speaking of my school, statistically the best quarterback in Baylor history is Charlie Brewer. We have to remember that. Uh, yeah, sure. All right. Whatever. <laughs> I, I there is one guy that I sure. thought would have been the best on this list. That uh, obviously this career didn't go quite as we thought, but I will always say that Garrett Gilbert was one of the best high school quarterbacks I ever saw at Lake mm-hmm. Travis. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. uh, it was a, a wild career that he had, and um, obviously he got a little bit better ending at SMU than he did at Texas. Yeah, yeah, and I definitely, I definitely had him on my list for, of consideration just because of the way that he finished, but, uh, but mm-hmm. obviously, you know, a lot of these guys that I ended up picking had two, three, four years, right, so it just... He's, interestingly enough, I mean, this is kind of getting on a tangent, but Garrett Gilbert was kind of, I think he was kind of five years too early, because, like, you, you look at that Lake Travis offense, and they were, it was pretty five out five wide four five wide consistently and i think that if he came in now like i think that somebody like i mean obviously you know lincoln riley can work with anybody but like you know somebody like that who can run an offense or ryan day lincoln riley or even a uh or usc texas tech and uh when leach was there if obviously if all the leach stuff doesn't have leach doesn't get himself fired sure sure and 
Gary Gilbert goes to Tech, I bet Gary Gilbert's career turns out a whole lot different at Texas. Tech. Probably. I th- yeah, I think it was just a bad marriage at, at Texas. I think that they never, they didn't really know what he was good at, hard to, to say. Or I don't want to say that because obviously he was a high, hyped prospect, but what they were trying to do just didn't really mesh because they didn't really have the receiver talent when he finally got his chance to go there. Um, everybody kind of looks at that national title game where he had the weapons that Colt McCoy was working with. Um, and he looked okay against Alabama. Um, but yeah, he go to SMU and he took him down a level where he's playing. Yeah. He's not playing against big 12 talent mm-hmm. constantly with guys who probably aren't at that level at receiver and running back. He, he looked okay. Like, I don't know. I think that uh, it was just a situation for him. Yeah, and it's like you mentioned, I mean, I think that he proved it to some extent at SMU. And I think that the other thing, too, is that you've seen him now in the NFL as the NFL changes. Yeah. I, I think has done a really there's a reason why, Yeah, there's a reason why the Cowboys were like, sure, get Gary Gilbert. Like, he can run this Kellen, uh, this Kellen Moore offense that, like, is very open and spread. Like, just get a guy who can do that. Literally plucked him off the street and said, yeah, you can start. We, we, we trust you enough to be able to do the basic concepts of this offense. Yeah. Well, okay, let, let me... This is the last thing, and we got to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> is there a quarterback who either started maybe for the first time last year or who heading into this year is going mm-hmm. to start maybe who you think in three to five years could be on this list? Mm. That's a good one. So I, I've got an answer uh, real quick. Go mm-hmm. for it. So I think if you created – a Texas A&M quarterback in a lab, just every part of it, both on and off the field, it would literally be Haynes King. I think that Haynes King comes from a background, obviously, as a coach's son, uh, John King, the the coach at Longview, uh, obviously led his his high school team to a championship in 6A for the first time in however many years, right? A high school full of tradition. A high school full of as much tradition as you can possibly find in the state of Texas, really. And now he's heading in. He, you know, he's a guy who I think can be a really good pocket passer. Uh, you know, the senior year, there, there were some issues, but I think that you look at the weapons that they lost. But, you know, a really, really highly regarded guy. Uh, mm-hmm. He's now been in Texas A&M system for a year. I think that that in a couple of years, I think we could be looking at Haynes King as being sort of the guy who takes AM to that top level, who potentially takes that next step. No, not guaranteeing it, right? You just don't know. You can't kind of project. You can't kind of assume that uh, that kind of thing is going to happen. But I think that Haynes King is going to have a really good shot to be that kind of quarterback for Texas A&M. I like his ceiling. I tell you that. I've seen the kid throw. I've seen the kid play. And I think he's a fantastic prospect. I'm excited to see what he looks like once he actually gets on the college gridiron. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with, uh, we talked about him last week. I'm going to go with Tyler Shug. I think that wow. he's a guy that was obviously came into Oregon with a lot of hype. Um, and I think we talked about it a little bit last week where I don't know if Oregon's necessarily the best place for a lot of quarterbacks with some arm talent uh, right now because of what Mario Cristobal prefers to do. Um, and I think that Sonny Cumbie, what we saw with him with Kenny Hill versus, you know, maybe what we thought Kenny Hill was before he got there. Um, I think he, if any, if, if Tyler Shug can get back, can give you something like a Kenny Hill, like that's Texas Tech's best quarterback since Patrick Mahomes. And like, you know, that, and before Patrick Mahomes probably going back to, you know, Seth Dagey, right. And so, or Graham Harrell, you know, I, th- I think that if he gives you that type of production, I think you're looking at something pretty special. What'd you think, Sam? Anybody stand out to you? Yeah, other than King. Yeah, see, I don't know who's going to start at Texas this year because I think right. Hudson Card's got a lot of potential. Yeah. But I don't know if it's going to be him or Casey Thompson because Casey <laughs> had such a great bowl game. Uh, you don't want to put too much in that. But Sark's history with quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I liked Hudson as a prospect. If he ends up being the guy at some point, I think his future is really, really bright. He's super athletic. You know, if you guys remember, he played receiver as a sophomore at Lake Travis. Mm-hmm. Caught a lot of touchdowns as a, as a receiver. He's, he's super athletic. He can move. He can throw. He's a big guy. I think Hudson's got a lot of potential down the road for Texas. And I'll close out by playing my favorite game. Hey, how about this guy? Uh, two guys who I also think uh, could have a chance who are incoming recruits this year. Uh, I really like Maddox Knopp, who's a cop, excuse me, who's going to Houston. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think he's going to have a chance to to really fit in well there. I think that he's 
a better fit for what Dana Holgerson wants to do than maybe even, uh, you know, the guys that they have on campus right now are. And uh, the other guy, oh my gosh, uh, oh, Preston Stone at SMU. Yeah, at SMU. I was thinking about Preston. Yeah. He's I, I think a big time get for the SMU program, I think. I think uh, I think he Sonny I know is really excited about Preston and and I guess I guess I didn't even think about Tanner Mordecai coming in too. I was about he's, to say that we he, don't even know if yeah. he's going to be the starter. I was going to say yeah, he may not start this year, but he won't. But he won't. Preston I, Stone I he will. will be Pre- right. Preston Preston Stone is probably the future at SMU. But but Tanner Mordecai uh, Tanner Mordecai is a good guy. He should have a good season at SMU this year. Yeah. So all that to say, I think we're going to be in good hands for a long long time in this state. Well. Sam, thank you so much for joining us, Ishmael. Thank you as always. Thanks so much, so much to everybody for joining us. Please find our work at textfootball.com. Find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Text Football. Find us on Twitter at DZTFCFB. Become a subscriber, like we mentioned. We're starting up on the magazine right now, textfootball.com slash subscribe. It guarantees that you get it before anybody else. First of all, Johnson and Sam Khan, I'm Sean J. Raja. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you guys again next week.